Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From Variety, celebrating more than 117 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah that that, was, that brought uh, me so much joy to, to see that that was like the number one Google search. Like, did Alan, worried Alan Madonna, uh, like have a fling or whatever? And uh, I don't know if Madonna's even aware of this movie, but I'm very curious what she thinks. There, there are some people, I'll tell you, I've seen some people online talking about, yeah, my wife watched the movie. She she believes the whole thing. She thinks you died in 1985. I mean, that, I've, I've learned that about uh, the internet and about, uh, you know, the, the general population. Like no matter how ironic you're being, how obviously insincere, and how how obviously it's a joke, somebody's going to believe it. Somebody's going to take it at face value. You wouldn't expect a biopic about Weird Al Yankovic to be anything other than a parody of a biopic, and that's exactly what Roku Channel's Weird: The Al Yankovic Story is. But as Weird Al notes, there's still plenty of gullible viewers out there. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Weird Al Yankovic about his unbelievable career leading up to the recent film in which Daniel Radcliffe plays Al in a not-so-truthful retelling of his story. But first, on the Award Circuit Roundtable, we talk about the crazy end-of-May TV pileup this weekend, which includes the series finales of Succession and Barry. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. I am Variety TV editor Michael Schneider, along with Emily Longaretta. Hello. And Jazz Tanke. Hello. Hello. So exciting. I know. It's like we get to play without Clayton this week. <laughs> no. Oh <laughs> he's gosh. playing in Cam, though. Yeah, he's got this, he's got the fancy playing going I know. on. I know. And all I see is like they all they do is like eat these amazing dinners and go to these screenings and they're all dressed in, in their tucks. Like tux every night. It looks so snazzy. I, know. Love it. I mean, oh. is that work? <laughs> They're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. We will say that team has been they've turning been, out things around the clock. I was like, when it. are they sleeping? It's wild. They don't sleep in can, no, right? They don't. You don't. Who, who would want to? Right? There. You don't want to waste any time sleeping. I mean, I would want to, but that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Yeah. We're still hanging out in West Los Angeles. I mean, but a lot of I mean, big TV stuff came out. Of it. I mean, the Idol premiered yesterday. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, the Idol. So. <laughs> Mike, how do you feel about the idol? <laughs> Obviously, we've only seen the trailer. Yes, we, we, we have you know, not seen yet. Since we were not in Cannes. 
Um, but <laughs> the reaction was pretty much what I was expecting the reaction to be. Yeah. It sounds exactly what we think this show is, mm-hmm. which is insanity and a lot of nudity, a lot of sex, a lot of craziness. But I mean, people expect that if you watch Euphoria, so you know that that's coming. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure how great it will be from a, a woman's point of view. But I guess we'll see. We'll see, right? Because we haven't seen it yet. We have not, right? But I think you know the uh, the sense that it's going to be huge is accurate. Yes, this is the kind of show that you know it may be terrible, but that doesn't matter yeah Mm -hmm. people are going to tune in and it's going to be a massive hit and when they brought up all the controversy that came around it to sam levinson the creator at the press conference he responded with we're going to have the biggest show of the summer yeah so that's a great way to avoid yeah Yeah. (laughs) i guess the bigger question was sam levinson aren't you on strike just just there's just a small thing happening in town mm-hmm. called the writer's strike. Yeah. So uh, where you're not supposed to be at festivals promoting your wares, but it's a strange situation. Yeah, we talked about this last week too. Uh, it's it's I guess it's when in France you can do whatever you want. There's no rules. <laughs> the rules don't apply that. I don't know. I think it seems a little insensitive not a little, a lot insensitive to the writers who are out here really, you know, picketing every day and we see that every day and really you know, yeah. standing up for what they believe. So. Yeah. No, I, I was a little surprised by that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what we've been finding in the panels I think we've been moderating is that the talent that does come, you know, make sure to throw their support yeah. behind yeah. the writers and remind folks that, uh, you know, the writers aren't there. And these panels, I mean, we've all been moderating them. They are tough to do without the writers. Yeah. <laughs> you, re- It makes you realize, like, oh, yeah, these actors, the actors are great. We're not saying they're not. But they're great at reading a script. They're great at acting. They don't, you know, the the these ideas and these great storytelling, that is what the yeah. writers do. That's what they create these shows that we are all obsessed with. So it's it really it's, shows it's a that. Great challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun to get their answers about their process and, and how they attacked a, a character and a storyline and what they thought of that storyline. But then mm-hmm. when you want to get to the nitty-gritty of, okay, so what is happening and yeah. what is next? The stuff that I want to know. Yeah. You know, they can hide behind, uh, not the writer, I don't know. Yeah. So, don't you know. know. I'll do whatever they say. Exactly. Not getting the answers. But nonetheless, um, you know, we're, it's it's an interesting awards season. It we're sure is. getting through it. But I do feel like it's, uh, you know, it is duct tape right now. We are, yeah. like, yeah. keeping things together with uh, tape and gum and spit and everything. <laughs> Gorilla glue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Things are hanging with command hugs for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Someone's been to Target. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I just moved. Can you guys tell? That's what I've been doing. <laughs> Target's the best. The best. The best. Spending so much money at Target than this move. Yeah. No, yeah. it really is. Things that you didn't think you needed. Yeah, exactly. I got to yep. come in for one thing and then I'm like, oh, I just spent $150. Yeah. Yeah. No idea how. Yeah. Shout out to Target, which is not sponsoring this uh, podcast. <laughs> you like to, but- yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, Emily, you've been hard at work on our Emmy editions. Yes, and obviously, uh... you've had to pivot a little bit because things are changing. Yeah, completely. I mean, a lot of the stories that we had planned, luckily, we did a lot early because we did, you know, kind of see this in the tea leaves that the strike was coming. But uh, there was a lot of stories that, you know, writers don't, they can't promote their their things uh, in an FYC format. And that's, of course, what these issues, these extra Emmy issues are. So I think that... um 
it's really interesting to see and it really forces people to be creative about how they promote their shows and what what kind of coverage that we do. And it forces it's kind of forced me to flex like different muscles and trying to find a way to cover shows in a different way, because I always lean back on like, let's just go get the showrunner on the phone because I know they'll give us some good quotes, get yeah. the writers on the phone. They'll give us some good and they always do. They always have come through for us. So it is like, all right, well, we're going to have to change that a little bit so our first one's rolling out this week and uh it's our actor issue so i'm very excited for people to dive in yeah it's all it's all happening it's really really good yeah we have some really great issues coming so they start the first one on the 25th and they roll out phase one through june 20th it's gonna be it's gonna be quick a lot of issues coming uh but there's a lot of really good stories you both have contributed and as have other people on our team who are incredible including clayton wrote a great story so uh, i'm i'm excited to these out how how often have you heard from publicists saying can you also just put in a little disclaimer that this interview happened before the strike (laughs) it's so funny i usually cut out and edit when i when i'm editing stories from writers i usually cut out like told us in august or told us at this point and i was like oh i gotta keep this in now because this is the point is them like making sure to be like they told us ahead of time. They were not doing interviews last week. Like, They're not, not scabbing, a, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, right. <laughs> They're not Although, breaking the rules. There were a couple of interviews that I did after the strike began. <laughs> and I noticed they're not asking me to necessarily say <laughs> when we did that interview. Yeah. I'll just keep it a little hazy just when they No names. Exactly. <laughs> there's no, no timestamp on it. So there's no proof of it. <laughs> well, Jazz, what's it like on the artisan's side of things in terms of cooperation and, and uh, you know people being available? I'm getting a lot more availability because of the artisans. And I think that's where the studios are like, you know, the publicists are finding that the artisans can tell the story. Like my George and Tammy panel the other day with Jessica Chastain, like she flew in and it was her, the production designer, the costume designer and the music supervisor. And it turned out to be a really good panel, which, you know, you we learn about like how she actually sings in the show. And so I think like it's telling... The story, because these guys have worked super close with the writers and the directors, so they're able to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a show like story. that, especially where the craft yeah. is yeah. so important to the story. So I'm finding I'm getting a lot more like artisan pitches now. Yeah. Of, and a lot more availability. But then, you know, there's a lot of, there's still cautions in the air because. Yeah. You know, like you want to get the talent or you want to get like the showrunner to back it up or like the writer. And it's like, oh, shoot, I can't get a quote from them anymore because. <laughs> Right, right. We're stuck. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you just, like Emily said, like you have to be super creative. Yeah. And actually, we're doing a big uh, artisans night with, in, uh, with the artisans on June 1st that uh, you're going to be moderating uh, uh, yes. up and down. So that, that'll be fun. That'll be interesting. It was, it's, it's um, a spinoff of a night with the writers. Yes. So I liked that format. And I was like, what can yeah. we do with the artisans? Yeah. And, yeah. So it's going to be a fun one. June 1st, you can live stream it or come in person on. Yeah, right. I think it's the Four Seasons. I Go. should know where my event is. <laughs> <laughs> but show, it's at the Four Seasons. Show up at the right venue. But, well, uh, and Mike, I mean, we are about to head to Austin for the ATX TV Festival, and things are changing over there, too. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of uh, panels that they had planned had fallen out, mm-hmm. um, but they are doing uh, other panels, including one with some writers uh, discussing the uh, sort of some of the hot topics yeah. uh, that are fueling the, the strike, uh, and that should be uh, a hot ticket, actually. Yeah. Uh, an opportunity to hear from folks like Damon Lindelof and, and Bo Williman is going to be moderating that and, and a couple other writers too. Yeah. And I think it's interesting also because it's not, ATX isn't an, isn't an FYC festival. It is not that kind of thing. It is for fans. Yeah. It's a fan festival and it's for TV lovers like us. Uh, 
it's and so they technically can go. They're not breaking any rules and they're not there promoting their stuff. They're talking about what's going on. And I think that that's a really, a really cool thing to see. I feel like I'm really excited to see how it kind of turns out. And it's, it'll be interesting because some of the panels that you and I are moderating, I mean, some of them now don't have writers on them or just have actors on them. So I guess we'll play by ear and see how that goes. Right, right. Or you've got uh, the Cheers reunion that uh, I'm getting to moderate. And luckily, that's oh, a show. That's a show from 30 years ago. They so can celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, American treasure, Ted mm. Danson, will be there, <sighs> of course, with um, and, and with Mary Steenburgen. And you're yes. talking to the two of them. That's yeah. One of uh, America's favorite couples as well. So great. It's going to be a really fun time, I hope. I I always have a great time at that festival. I think so. I think so. It's, it's, you know, we'll we'll have some good brisket. It'll be good. That's right. I'm ready for queso. Yeah. One in Texas. (laughs) Yeah. So things are continuing. Um, As we know, the daytime Emmys were uh, pushed back uh, to TBD. Mm -hmm. Peabody Awards were canceled. But the sports Emmys still happened uh, this week. So... (laughs) I didn't know the sports Emmys were a thing. I'm going to be honest. I was not aware I just got that last night, right? Same. Yeah, I was like, wait. That press release came through and I was yeah. like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And then I was writing that up at like 11 o'clock last night. So, oh my gosh. Thanks for the embargo, guys. Shout out to the sports Emmys. <laughs> Look, I so. literally still have no idea what it is. It's it's the sports Emmys. I, I guess, I mean, and that's the question also is how it's going to continue to impact I mean, right now we're looking at daytime Emmys because that would be was supposed to be very soon. But how does it impact Emmys in September? Do we think that that's going to end up being pushed? Do we have any idea? Well, so the big question now becomes phase two. Yeah. Mm. And even, you know, nominations will be announced Mm -hmm. as usual. But then after that, because campaigning clearly will be impacted by this, will it be a question of studios and networks going to the Academy and saying, hey, can we push this back? Can we push the calendar back? Maybe that means the Emmys don't happen until later in the fall. Yeah. Now, if there's a SAG after strike, which is a real possibility, mm, yeah. then this is all moot. It's not going to happen. Right. There will not be an Emmys, no. at least right. not in September. No. So a lot of open questions yeah. now. Because right now, nominations are July 12th to be announced, and then voting is August 17th, August 28th. So that's the, the high time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know... <sighs> If if you know there you can't do a lot of campaigning, then there will be a big push to hey let's move that that, yeah. that calendar out so that we can have some campaigning and you know the, the Emmys in September obviously traditionally that sort of kicked off the new fall TV season, but if there's no new fall TV exactly. season, what's the yeah. point of that? I mean, there's uh, there's sort of going to be you know we're coming off the upfronts and we know NBC has a pretty strike proof uh, calendar yeah. schedule, so they're going to be able to continue. Uh, ABC all reality all, all reality. game yeah. shows and Abbott reruns, <laughs> yeah. which is the strangest thing to see on a fall schedule so uh, fox is sort of a mix of of both they've got some strike contingent stuff but you know a lot of stuff they're gonna have to hold cbs just said you know what We're, we'll we'll see what we can do in yeah. the fall but there's no way they can put the, the those scripted shows on in the fall so it's you know, gonna I've be been a hearing jumble. That some reality shows um there there's one there's a few reality shows that are completely wrapped and they just haven't found a spot to air them yet and i think they're and they a lot of you know summer lineups are coming out and they're saying well aren't they on the summer lineup and it's like well 
think some are holding on to them to say, like, well, we might have to plug them in last minute in the fall. Yeah, and if you notice, CBS just announced their summer schedule, and a lot of that stuff isn't debuting until August. Mm. Big Brother is not debuting until August, which means that's easily going to go way into September and maybe even October. And they announced Buddy Games recently, a couple months, like about a month ago, then they said it was coming this year, and then and that's a reality show that's completely filmed, and then it's not on the summer or the fall lineup, and... But it, it's assumed it, yeah. that, well, it's probably going to end up on the yeah. fall lineup because you know these shows aren't going to go back into production. I mean, the three FBI shows can't literally cannot go back <laughs> right. into production. So. so it may behoove the TV Academy to push the Emmys anyway to October or even November, um, which, you know, there's, there's plenty of precedent for not doing an Emmys until November, mm-hmm. uh, including the year of 9-11 when they had to push it to November. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, that, that's a possibility. So does that mean voting gets pushed to October? Possibly. Possibly. Because mm-hmm. if they don't want to campaign until then, we may sort of just be sitting on a late summer where there's no activity going on right. in the Emmy space whatsoever. But this is all speculation, by of the course. way. Yeah. This is just all – This is what could happen. This is us kids talking. So <laughs> I think this is probably pivot. what a lot of people are doing because there's no answers right now. Yeah. Yeah. We just are kind of wondering what's going to happen next. And none of, none of us knows. Only time can tell. Yeah. yeah. So the big question is for the you know networks and studios is, okay, so what do we do with you know our campaigning phase two? Mm-hmm. Now, they don't do as much in terms of they don't do FYC houses, uh, you know, certain things. So they can move that money around a little more freely than phase one where it's like, okay, I got to cancel this space if I'm not doing something. Right. Mm. Um, and we've still seen a lot of cancellations mm-hmm. yep. for events. And it's impacted some places more than others. Um and I feel like we're seeing more reality leading into reality FYC too. Yeah, even we're you know NBC Universal instead of rolling out a ton of you know there's not many, but it's they're doing a Bravo one, they're doing a Top Chef show or Vanderpump Rules one, which deserves it on me. Let's be honest, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean these are things we haven't re- didn't really see too much of in the past, and now it's like well we got to fill it, we got to yeah. fill the space. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So that's that's been going on. By the way, Vanderpump. A wild time, a wild time to be alive. So, I will say. So, as we know, our colleague uh, Kate Arthur is at the on the front lines. I mean, she's like <laughs> she's embedded, I think, inside with the troops mm-hmm. uh, over at Bravo. Um, but where do you two stand? Like, how big of a fander pump are you? Fander pump. Oh man, I was not. I was not a pump rules person for a very long time. As many of you guys know, I worked at Us Weekly previously, so I obviously had to cover a lot of Vanderpump, so I knew a lot of inside things for a long time. But I never would be like, oh, I need to watch this week's episode. I was not like that kind of fan. We had somebody who covered it and recapped it, so I was like, I don't need need to. Then my best friend came in town, and she was like, I really want to binge old seasons. And then I started, and then I couldn't stop. So better believe that Wednesday night, last week, after I watched my three hours of one Chicago, of course. Mm-hmm. I put on <laughs> you, got, you got you got your priorities. Yes, and I was in awe. So I'm now right in it with knee, everybody else, knee deep in it. What, can't wait. What about you, Jazz? I'm a shallow watcher. I dip in and out of it. I'm not like as committed to it. But oh. I did learn on my panel with Alan Cumming that he watched it. He didn't Amazing. know what the show was. He was like, "Had Bravo on," and. There were two women arguing in a cafe or talking in the cafe, and someone went, Vanderpump rule. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, no, I I haven't sold my soul to the Vanderpump rules. Mine's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's yeah. gone. Yeah. And I think I've, I've told you too that uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, no clue 
didn't know what hashtag Scandaval was all about. (laughs) And then slowly as Maria was watching and I happened to be in the same room and catching clips. And then over time, like I'm just spending more time staring at that screen. And and then, of course, you know, paying attention to Kate's obsession (sighs) with this. And then I finally got to the point where last week there I was. Sitting on the couch, no longer, <laughs> no longer with my back to the TV, but fully facing the TV, fully invested, so invested. knowing exactly oh who these people are. So invested. How did this happen? I people was... were having parties, and it was like a religious thing on my time, my yeah. Instagram. Everybody was like, I'm like, should I tune in? I don't know what I was doing last Wednesday. Yeah, but, I had yeah. to watch. I had. It's, it's excellent TV. And obviously, if anyone hasn't read Kate Arthur's amazing story of how they filmed this finale, uh, and how they kind of were right on top of the the scandal of it all. Uh, you should definitely check yeah. it out because it is a must read, and it's so interesting to hear the producers talk about them finding out, you know, on the first and having cameras there on the second when when the TMZ story broke. Of I the mean, affair. I mean, I kind of feel like that's worth an Emmy right there. Just truly. the hustle. <laughs> like truly, those cameramen who thought they had wrapped for a season, yeah. who had to be like, just kidding, guys. Who, who get that call. And, you got to work tomorrow. Yeah. And it's going to be a big one. <laughs> and, and basically, they have such a machine there at Bravo. They're basically just like, okay, we're pulling you off Beverly Hills. <laughs> and we're moving you back to Vanderpump. Yeah. Uh, get to Ariana's house now. <laughs> Like, it's just so crazy. I mean, news organizations don't move as fast no, as this no. did. Bra- so. Truly give Bravo an Emmy. I, I honestly am so impressed with them. Yeah. Well, so we are heading to the weekend that is insanity weekend. Ugh. Now, what's strange about this is it's also a holiday weekend. <laughs> Usually like, people go into the beach, turn the TV off. Yeah. There's no TV during holiday weekends. <sighs> At least that's the way it used to be. Instead, this is the biggest TV weekend of the year yeah. that yeah. we're heading upon. And it's ridiculous. On right? the heels of the Max launch. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were like, we're going to launch this and then we're going to have a huge weekend and hope it all goes smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I guess to some degree, like you, you do want to launch right before the, your biggest weekend of the year. Of course. But yeah, that's putting a lot of cards on the table. So <sighs> everything ends this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. What will people do with their Sunday nights now without Barry, Succession and Yellow Jackets? Yeah, well, Yellow Jackets, I don't know when, when people watch it because yeah, it drops on like a, a, something else. There's also, isn't right. Ted Lasso ending too and Maisel this weekend? Do they? Are they both this weekend also? I think so. Well, they're, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, we're in the, the home stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because people watch those shows at any time. Yeah, yeah. that's why I think that those are. I feel but like those like, are less yeah. appointment viewing than. But it's but 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 your point is valid, Jazz. Which is you know all of these big moments, these TV moments are happening this week. Which, by the way, is going to be my column for next week's magazine. So <laughs> stay tuned to Variety.com <laughs> for a little bit of that. I mean, truly though, it's. And so, yeah, if you're planning on going away this weekend, they were like, TV journalists? No. <laughs> no. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. No. You're, <laughs> you're, you're working. It's a staycation. <laughs> and we're so. not sending you links in advance. <laughs> yep. Right. No screeners. Just good luck. Yeah. You're watching it like the rest of the world. But what are you guys most excited for? Succession. Yeah, I would say succession. And I'm not a giant succession person from the beginning. I was. I just, it never was my show. Uh-huh. But it's been so great this season yeah. and the performances have been so strong that I just, I want to know how it ends. I can't wait. How does it end? I mean, how do they like wrap this up in 
I mean, they really have one more episode? 90 minutes long, 90 though. 90 minutes. Yeah. So I a mean, movie. <laughs> I don't know how you wrap this up. There's so much going on. There's so many unanswered questions that I don't, I don't know. I mean, this show could go on for another season. Yeah. I, yeah. Jesse Armstrong, I'm looking at you. You could yeah. have done this for another season. I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> but <laughs> fine. Wrap it up. Fine. But I mean, yeah. Like, how does it end? I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's true with a lot of these shows, um, you know. Uh, Ted Lasso the same way. Uh, I know there's some knocks on this season. Like that's it's suddenly become hot to knock Ted Lasso mm-hmm. as yeah. not being as good. Yeah, if, uh, you know that's just that's what happens mm-hmm. with season three. People, it's uh, you know the, the, now the, the the haters come out. Mm-hmm. I still think it's fine. Uh, I still think that there's a lot that they could mine with these characters. And honestly, like I'm concerned that they're wrapping it up now if this is the end because there's so many arcs of these characters that I don't feel like are resolved. Mm. Uh, you know, be it Roy Kent or Keeley and their relationship or Rebecca and sort of her fate and the the fate of some of these uh, players as well. Uh, you know, even Ted, you know, he's been so o- all over the map. We're going to wrap that up like his mess. You can't wrap that up in <laughs> one or two more episodes. You just can't. So I, I will be disappointed if this is the end, because there are still so many directions that they need to go with these characters. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, so be it. If they want to end it, we have shrinking. <laughs> we have shrinking. shrinking. Thank yes. God we still have shrinking. Thank God we still have shrinking. And many more shrinking. seasons, hopefully, of yes, shrinking. Hopefully. Like to sort of take over as the, you know, the, the hug TV. Yeah. yeah. But I think you have to watch Succession. It's like Logan's death, right? Like if you didn't watch episode three. Yeah. Like you were screwed. Right. Like I think... It's going to get spoiled if you're not watching Succession in real time this Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think that's what you have oh, yeah. to do no, in no, real you, time. Oh, yeah. No, no. You absolutely like, have to watch it in real time. There's no delay. I think it's going to be like a, a pop culture moment. I'll say Yellow Jackets probably also should be watched before you get yes. spoiled. But when, yeah, but the problem with Yellow Jackets is when does it air? You need when right. do we watch so, it? Yeah, it's streaming. Of course, but then you can want... watch it on Showtime on Friday, yeah, and then it airs on the sh- on Showtime, the Showtime app on Friday, and then you can watch it on actual Showtime on Sunday. I would watch it Friday morning before. I would watch yeah. it Friday morning because it's going to be all over social media. Um, so that's our warning, and there's going to be a huge reaction. And I feel the same way as you do about Ted Lasso, about people kind of criticizing, and a lot of people are criticizing the season of Yellow Jackets, yeah. and I understand why because it's not as strong as the first season, but. I think it's still a really excellent show. Yeah. That yeah. and I still think it goes places that shows don't go. Right. And the finale is wild and it's not predictable. And I like that. I yeah. think they do a great job of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, this is why I'm not a TV critic. Is because Me too. I, I like TV. Yeah. <laughs> I like TV. That's yeah. why I'm not a critic. Yeah. Yeah. CBS wishes you were a critic. They do. <laughs> like, are you sure you don't want to be? Right. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm excited for that. It's and then weekend. Anything else that uh, the two of you have watched recently that uh, you want to give a shout out for before the end of the year? Oh, we started watching High Desert last night. Hmm. Have you seen it with Patricia Arquette? What did no. you think? I've read some, kinda, I've read some mixed reviews. I'm curious. I've only think. seen the first episode. Okay. I kind of liked it. Like mm. Patricia's so great with like dark comedy, and her timing is brilliant. She could do anything. So. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, yeah, if I wasn't tired, I probably would have watched like another episode. So that was like the okay. That's a good tip. That is a good tip. That was my the Lakers lost four for zero. I need. Oh dear God! What happened? (laughs) Sidebar. (laughs) Sorry. My my son is devastated. Uh, That was rough. That I mean, 
not to, to, to be just swept. That was a shame. But, yeah. you know. I'm Sports. Like, just going to watch a show about drugs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is why we work at TV. Because I'm like, yeah. all right. We got to turn something else on. My my shout out would be to the Ultimatum Queer Love, which uh, the first episodes drop on the twenty fourth, so on Wednesday. Um, and if you liked the past seasons of the Ultimatum, if you didn't like the past seasons of the Ultimatum, if you didn't watch it, doesn't matter. Put all of that aside and watch because if you watch one episode, I promise you, you will be hooked. It is some of the best reality TV I've seen in a very long time. With the exception of the Vanderpump Rules finale. <laughs> <laughs> but Kate Arthur, the queen of reality TV, agrees yeah. on this one. It's We have a really great conversation going up with um, the EP, and there's some – we'll be talking to the cast. We'll be doing all that on Variety.com. You guys can watch or you guys can uh, read it there. But I would definitely tune in because it's a really, really fun show. And I'm finally catching up on Jury Duty because uh, I hadn't had a chance Ooh. to get all the way through. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is – yeah, it's it's a delight. Seriously, I mean, that's a TV hug too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I laugh out loud every episode. It's, it's just <laughs> – it's so much fun. And by <laughs> yeah. the way, uh, we ta- we've been talking about James Marsden and how yeah. great he is in it. But uh, the fact that the judge is played by Ike Barinholtz's dad <laughs> – and John Barinholtz's dad is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy. I mean, he play. He is fantastic yes. as the judge. Mm-hmm. So that whole cast, everyone yeah. that's in it, I'm like, wow. I mean, they're I'm all great. Googling yeah. people immediately, like, who is this? Per- I mean, I love this person. Oh, and they're all eventually. I mean, one like some of them could end up being stars because yeah. if you yeah. remember that first season of Joe Schmo Show, I mean, Kristen Wiig was one of the people, mm-hmm. uh, and and David Hornsby was one of the people, yes. and like you know that they went on to. I mean, they they had an eye for some amazing improvers, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this group is going to go on to amazing things too. Yeah, watch the space, indeed. All right, kids. Well, I think we wrapped it up there, and uh, we will go off and watch a lot of television this weekend, and and hopefully. Uh, go outside. Look at the sun for a second. Take a nap. Yeah. To, <laughs> naps. naps are good. <laughs> be a, a nap outside. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. Really nice. Wait, didn't you do that? <laughs> I. This is what I always do. But then I just moved and got locked out on my patio. So that wasn't great. <laughs> so you're like my dog, basically. <laughs> Who That's, loves wow. just? Who love loves to sleep in the sun? But by the way, it's like goals. I see it like every day. I just see my dog just like lying there in the sun. I'm like, God, like what must life. that be like? I just want to be a dog on my cat I in just, the next life, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I do with my weekends. So. And on that note, have a great week, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. After the break, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, co-writer and inspiration, Weird Al Yankovic. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. In the late 1970s, Al Yankovic, known by his moniker Weird Al, emerged onto the music scene as a master of song parodies on radio's Dr. Demento show, and his legacy continues to reverberate worldwide. With such massive hits as Eat It, a riff on Michael Jackson's Beat It, and My Bologna, a nod to the knack's My Sharona, Yankovic has earned five Grammy Awards and sold more than 12 million albums. The musician's life is now the subject of Erica Pell's biopic, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which stars Daniel Radcliffe in the lead role. What's well, something you always wanted to do, but you were never allowed to? Make up new words to a song that already exists. Oh, well, you should do that then. Absolutely. Yeah, why don't you do it right now? Go on, make up something brilliant. No, guys, it's not that easy. Yeah, I gotta wait for inspiration to strike. And I'm pretty sure that well dried up a long time ago. Oh, well, if you're not going to write us a song, why don't you make us some sandwiches? Oh, yeah, dude, I'm starving. <laughs> sandwich, sandwich, let's sandwich. get some sandwich. Okay, 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 guys, I'm on it. Uh, Jim, you want to put on some tunes? Yeah. <laughs> Steve, this bologna has your name on it. Can we... Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Just open up a package of my bologna. As you might figure, that's not exactly how it happened. But that's the point. This is not an actual biopic by any means. Of course the master parody would ultimately make a parody of biopics. Despite what you see on screen, Weird Al didn't have a torrid love affair with Madonna, he didn't become a drug kingpin, and Dr. Demento has never laced Al's guacamole with LSD. But what weird the Al Yankovic story does have is a standout cast, including tons of cameos. That includes Evan Rachel Wood as Madonna, Rain Wilson as Dr. Demento, Quinta Brunson as Oprah Winfrey, Jack Black as Wolfman Jack, and so many more. I recently spoke to Weird Al about the origins of this film, in addition to everything from Eat It to Al TV on MTV to UHF to why he's not making new music anymore. And of course, we talked about how viewers have taken Weird as a true chronicle of his life, despite the sheer absurdity of where the story ends up going. I began, of course, by making it a little personal. Picture it, 1989, my bedroom. I'm a teenager, high school. I have two movie posters on my wall. I have Michael Keaton's Batman 
and I have Weird Al's UHF. Oh, I thought you were going to go with, the, <laughs> with Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> Weird Al's Driving Miss Daisy. But it's, well, that's nice, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's kind of amazing that this year we've got Michael Keaton playing Batman once again. And here you are, Weird Al, still, still here. 1989 is back again. 19, it's all about 89, baby. It's cyclical. <laughs> and and you've, you've barely aged, which is insane. Not true, but that's very nice of you to say. Thank you. I, I love that. Uh, I remember when you uh, guest starred on The Goldbergs, you played yourself in 1984, and they didn't have to do anything, really, to yeah, yeah, I had to wear a, a Weird Al wig because my hair's a little different now. And uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, How I Met Your Mother, same thing. They had me playing a version of myself from the 80s. And, and uh, you know, I can kind of pull it off still. Yeah. I mean, if you don't look too close, if you're not watching an HD. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's impressive. It's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't. It's it's hard to interview you because I'm sorry. There's I I'll mean, try to be easier. <laughs> there's there's so much though. I mean, it is. It's so funny. Uh, one of my colleagues just now said uh, he loved your movie, loved Weird, uh, but he was kind of expecting an actual biopic, like a legit biopic. I'm that's, sure you hear that a lot. Well, that's exactly what we were going for. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I was a little reluctant to do too much promo before the movie came out. I mean, we obviously want to want people to watch it, but I didn't want to give away the the central joke that it's a basically a parody movie about the guy that does parodies. Yeah. Uh, so it, it pleases me to hear that some people watch the movie and like they get to, about to the halfway point where they go, wait a minute. <laughs> They're pulling our legs. Here. Right, right. And I think probably the, the thing that I'm sure you've been hearing the most from people is like, wait a second, did Alan Madonna really date? Oh, yeah, yeah that that, was, that brought uh, me so much joy to, to see that that was like the number one Google search. Like, did Alan, Mad- did Alan Madonna like have a fling or whatever? And uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know if Madonna's even aware of this movie, but I'm very curious what she thinks. Yeah, well, has anyone asked Madonna? Have you seen her like mention it at all anywhere? No. No, no. I I uh I hope she's okay with it. We didn't get her blessing or permission ahead of time, uh which I was a little nervous about, but the lawyer said, eh, don't worry about it. Public figure. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I, I hope she takes it in the spirit it's intended. Like we're you know, we uh you know, we love Madonna and, and respect her as an artist and we don't want to denigrate her. It's it's just a joke. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope she's okay with it. And I think if you stick with the movie all the way through, eventually you start to realize, oh yeah, no. Uh, Al also didn't murder a lot of people. He yeah. wasn't involved with a drug cartel. It, <laughs> there, there, there is a point in the movie where it kind of goes that direction. And, right. Okay. But you yeah. have to get there. there. There are some people, I'll tell you, I've s- seen some people online talking about, yeah, my wife watched the movie. She she believes the whole thing. She thinks you died in 1985. Yeah. Well, <laughs> So there are those people too. Mission accomplished. Yeah. I mean, that, I've, I've learned that about uh, the internet and about, uh, you know, the, the general popula- population. Like, no matter how ironic you're being, how obviously insincere and how, how obviously it's a joke, somebody's going to believe it. Yeah. Somebody's going to take it at face value. Yeah. Well, is that because we're just living in this world now? Of- <laughs> we're in a post-fact age. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, do the facts really matter anymore? Let's just make them up. Well, how how tough is that for you <laughs> to live in a post-fact? <laughs> Does anything matter anymore? Is Anything is, who knows what? So... 
Well, starting with the, with the biopic, I mean, biopics uh, uh, historically have always been pretty ina- inaccurate, uh, and and that always kind of bugged me. That's one of the reasons why I decided to you know reach out to Eric Appel to like write the screenplays because like Bohemian Rhapsody to come out, and I I'm, I'm a big uh, Queen fan and I like the movie and it won awards and was very popular, but it bothered me that there were so many artistic liberties taken, just flat out changing the facts, changing the chronology, just making it more quote unquote cinematic, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, maybe I can do a biopic, but just like just throw facts out the window, just go completely off the rails. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of reminds me. I mean, you did a behind the music back in the day, and I, I still remember that episode <laughs> because it was sort of, you know, there was so little drama, right, in, in your life, and and so you kind of had to manufacture some some stuff. Well, but- I. I did. <laughs> Well, behind the music was supposed to be pretty factual, so I didn't really manufacture yeah. anything. But I kind of made fun of the fact that they're even doing a behind the music on me right. because I've never, like, like you said, never really had any drama in my life. I mean, uh, no drug addictions. My my bandmates aren't sleeping with each other. There's nothing crazy going yeah. on. So because every every behind the music uh, has got a formula, where like 35 minutes into it, there's always. And then things went horribly wrong. Yeah. And that never happened to me. So I, I, I said, well, my fourth album didn't go platinum, so I had to buy the medium-sized jacuzzi. Right. That was like <laughs> – Right. And that was it. Yeah. It was, it was in a way a parody of Behind the Music because there was no – Right. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, your career has hummed steady for, you know, five decades, which, uh, you know, who else can say that? Yeah, I mean, I, it's ironic to me because nobody wanted to sign me in the early 80s because they thought, oh, comedy music, you're a novelty artist. And again, historically, novelty artists, uh, you know, are the, uh, produce one, are, they become one hit wonders. They yeah. become an asterisk in, in pop history because they traditionally have one single. If they're lucky that, that, you know, breaks through and then they're forgotten quickly. So nobody wanted to sign somebody that was going to be ephemeral. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the big irony of my life is like, I'm, <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. 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 Exactly. While most of the people you've parodied are long gone <laughs> or have even passed, which yeah. is also sort of, you know, strange. It must be these days. Yeah. Part, part of the, uh, secret of longevity, uh, longevity is staying alive. It's good. That's that, that always helps. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'm curious about, you know, take me back to being signed and the Scotty brothers, uh, since you get to play <laughs> a Scotty brother in the film. Uh, I knew a little bit of them covering TV because, you know, they later created, you know, all American television and they were, you know, Baywatch was one of their shows and it's, but, but I was always fascinated by like how weird that they like launched the label that signed you. And what was that all about? Well, uh, they were the only label that, that really wanted to take, take a chance on this accordion playing weirdo. Uh, I think Tony Scotty, the, the head of Scotty Brothers, I, 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 he played accordion when he was a kid. So maybe, there, maybe there's a small connection there. I've seen pictures of him as a kid holding the accordion. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if they thought that I was going to have a long career, but they thought, you know, let's give it, give this guy a shot. And my first, uh, album came out at the eponymously titled Weird Al Yankovic. And it had, uh, all the early hits on it. My Bologna, another one rides the bus and I love Rocky Road. It did, it did okay. Well enough for me to, to merit me having a second album. Yeah. The second album had Eat It and that became a big international hit. And then I sort of had a career at that point. And then, then it's like, okay, we got notes for you now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were the notes? What were well, 
it's it's sort of like they they uh, for the third album they uh, they meddled a little bit. I had like a surgeon on the third album, but they thought no no we we need a Cindy Lauper parody because she's really big right now, mm-hmm. and I love Cindy Lauper. But it was like I didn't want to force you know a, a, a Cindy Lauper parody, but but to appease them and to uh, so that they would actually release my album, uh, I recorded um, "Girls Just Want to Have Lunch," mm-hmm. which is not particularly funny. <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes. I, I had to record it in order for them to release my album. Uh, and you can kind of tell by my uh, vocal performance on the song that I'm sort of doing, doing it uh, under duress against my will. Girl, just want to have lunch. Here's your Cindy Lauper parody. You know? That's funny that that's what they were hung up on. Yeah. But that was, was that Dare to be Stupid, that album? That, that yeah. album, yeah, yeah. So it's funny you had the Madonna parody, which yeah. is like the hottest thing in the moment. I, I, said, I, I think we're good. I think we're good with the single, but. That's. That's so funny. I, I love the hubris of them naming the the, the label Rock and Roll Records. Like uh-huh. you know, <laughs> this is the definitive label. Yeah, this is the for one. All of rock and roll is rock and roll label. Rock Everything records. else is faux rock. Yeah, yeah. So, um, how did you decide to play Tony Scotty in in the film? Well, it was a, a callback to the original uh, Funny or Die viral video that the movie is is loosely uh-huh. based on. Uh, and and that movie, uh, I played. Basically, the record executive that tells Weird Al that he's got no future, that there's no commercial potential to these parody songs. So um, uh, I thought I should I should reprise, yeah. reprise, reprise. I should do the role again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and and it's it's probably the most uh, straight lace we've ever seen you in 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 that suit and the perhaps yeah he was wearing the uh, the Tony Scotty wig and uh, yeah some people were telling me that they they thought oh you should have been in the movie Alex well I kind of was right right. <laughs> Sort of unrecognizable to most people. Uh, well, I mean, Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's the, best. the, the role of his career, right? <laughs> yeah, he hasn't done anything, really. I, I, I feel kind of bad now because for the rest of his life, people are just going to refer to him as the Weird Al guy. Right? You know? <laughs> Uh, one hit wonder that kid. Oh my! But nonetheless, um, I just mean, the best. Oh, he's just uh, the sweetest guy, the nicest guy, and so t- I mean, he we cast him obviously because he's so crazy talented. He you know he does comedy so well, and he does like really intense, serious drama really well too. And and we needed both for this movie, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And and so, what were some of those like early meetings like with him in sort of you know talking to him about playing you this version of you and and tips that you gave or, or how, like what, what well, was that, those conversations? The, like? the very first uh, conversation I had, I'd never met him before, you know, uh, you know, putting out the offer to him. Uh, the very first conversation was, was over zoom. It was the, the very beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we, I, I, we were just seeing if he was interested at all. He just read the script and, uh, and he, he was saying, okay, well, what kind of accordion should I buy? I want to start practicing right now. Like, what? Uh, <laughs> he was just immediately on board. Yeah. He loved the script. Uh, and I, I knew, and I, I mentioned this to him, like, right off the bat. I, I said, one of the reasons why we wanted to cast you was because I, I saw you on the Graham Norton show in 2010, uh, doing a, singing, uh, a cover of Tom Lehrer's The Elements Song. 
which is, which is an extremely nerdy thing to do. I mean, just to, to memorize the entire periodic table of the elements and to sing it on national TV in front of Rihanna and Colin Farrell. I mean, that's alpha nerd stuff right there. So I thought, okay, we're kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you would do well like impersonating me. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and and from there, like, uh, any, any uh, accordion tips that? Uh... Yeah, uh, he uh, he worked with a friend of his name Pete in New York who gave him some lessons, and uh, I sent him some videos uh, through email of just like my fingers uh, on the buttons on the keys, uh, specifically the things he'd have to learn to play my Bologna and I Love Rocky Road and another one rides the bus. And then when he came to L.A., uh, I gave him a few lessons uh, in person. Uh, so he, I mean, he he knows how to play the accordion a little bit, uh, certainly enough to to fake it well, which is which is all we're asking for him. He you know yeah. we told him yeah, we can we can cut around you, we can make it look like you're playing the accordion, but it was a a real point of pride with him to you know learn it a little bit so that he can you know effectively fake it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it, he was fantastic, but just the the, the 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 casting in this was was amazing too. Um, uh, what does Doctor Demento think of of this? Uh, have you gotten his reaction yeah, to, he... <laughs> to Ray Wilson's uh, stellar performance? Uh, Doctor Demento uh, moderated the uh, the New York premiere, uh, and and he's tickled by it. I, he I think he was a little leery at first because uh, we didn't send him. Uh, the script ahead of time. We, we kind of wanted to keep it very much under wraps until the movie came out. Uh, but, you know, because he is Dr. Demento and, and, you know, responsible in the large part for my entire career, uh, we kind of gave him a synopsis and he was a little, uh, uh, you know, leery of the fact that we had him like lacing my guacamole with LSD and a few things like like that that he never actually did in real life. But I think I think he understands, you know, that it's you know it's a comedy, it's a satire, and I don't. Again, there's probably gonna be three people out there that said, "Oh, did you know that Doctor Demento like laced Al's guacamole with LSD?" But by and large, I think people know it's a joke. Right, right, and he didn't actually ever have a rumble with Wolf, Wolf, Wolfman Jack. Which... I can't confirm whether he did or not, but I don't. <laughs> I'm guessing not. Yeah. No, it's how in, in sort of working with Eric on this, um, you know, how, what were the barometers? Like how wild did you want to go with this? What were sort of those, uh, you know, discussions like, and, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to go nuts. Yeah. Well, the, the very first uh, email that I sent Eric uh, when I kind of had the epiphany that like, now's the time. Now we should do this movie. Uh, I, I think I had just watched the first season of Narcos and I thought, okay, I think we can do this movie if like, you know, it starts off fairly normally, but by the end of the second act, I'm single handedly battling drug cartels in Colombia. And yeah. Eric got it says, okay, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow it still, still stayed in. Yeah. Well, that, that was, that was part of the thing too, because Eric, uh, uh, very cannily, uh, decided that we should put in all these, um, uh, Easter eggs early in the movie uh, so that it builds up to the uh, the whole um, you know drug cartel scene because he said this is the first thing that the studio is going to want to cut yeah. <laughs> do, do we really need the whole you know drug cartel thing so we, ha- we had to make it we had to write the screenplay so that they couldn't cut it out it yeah. was like such an integral part of the movie yeah yeah and and yeah by the time you're halfway through you're invested you're right. in so you're you're ready to go on this this ride yeah. um, and and yeah and it uh, it pays off obviously although sadly you die but, it's very sad but uh 
<laughs> I will say that's that's the one uh, music cue uh, that uh, that I, I asked them to change. Zach and Leo uh, did the score for the movie, and they're amazing and just really killed it. They do the score for Cobra Kai and a lot of other things. Yeah. But they had a they had a music cue after I get assassinated. Sorry, spoiler. Uh, where over the uh, end on title credits, it's like this peppy kind of happy thing, and I'm like, I just died, you guys. Like, right. <laughs> let's have people be a little sad for two minutes. So, so what is the the most real part of Weird? Um, what would you say is the most authentic? Well, there there are several things uh, in the movie which seem like we made them up, but they actually are true. They're just sprinkled throughout. You probably wouldn't know them if unless you were, you know, really kind of followed my career. But um, I did take accordion lessons because a door to door salesman came around. Uh, he was um, he didn't have an accordion with him, but he. Um, uh, was trying to drum up business for his music school. He was giving accordion lessons and guitar lessons. And because of that visit, my parents thought, oh, young Alfred would love to play the accordion. Yeah. So that part is true. I did, in fact, record my first single uh, in a men's room, in a public bathroom. Uh, it wasn't a bus station as it is in the movie because, you know, we, we have to just make things... Uh, untrue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a touch. <laughs> just, just like, yeah, just tweak it. Move, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I recorded, uh, f- uh, in real life, I recorded my Bologna uh, across the hall from my college campus radio station in, in the men's uh, bathroom uh, because of the acoustically perfect tiled walls. Yeah. Uh, so that is true. And there's a few things sprinkled throughout, you know, uh, I never lived with my band members, but um, those are their real names. We didn't change any names. A lot of times in these biopics, uh, you change names you know, just or they 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 consolidate characters, or you know, they they take a lot of liberties. So, but we kept uh, all the the same names. We just changed the facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the names have not been changed to yes. protect the innocent. Um, talk talk a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, wanted to ask you. You know, obviously, um, you know, we we know. Um, you know, the, the, the unfortunate story of your parents and, um, you know, and how you wanted to portray them here and, and clearly not at all how they actually were. But I'm sure this was something that you thought a lot about how, because uh, you also, you know, don't want people to get the wrong impression of, of your parents. Sure. But, uh, you know, talk about sort of walking that line. I, you know, I, I think I, I'm sad that my parents didn't get to see this movie because I'm sure they would have gotten a huge kick out of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and they would have gotten that it's a joke. They, they, they know me. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, you know, my parents were very loving and very supportive. And that's not the kind of dynamic you ever see in a rock music biopic. Right. right. That is just not one of the tropes. So we had to make it so that the whole arc of the movie is I'm, I'm trying to get my, my father's love. Uh, because he doesn't, he hates parody music. He hates accordions. Right. He hates everything about who I'm trying to be. Yeah. Uh, so that that had to be, you know, the, the the overreaching theme of the movie is is like, you know, I'm I'm famous. I've ostensibly got everything I could possibly want, except for the love of my parents. Yeah. So that that had to be what we were going for. The fact that "Beat It" was a parody of "Eat It" in this uh, in this version of uh, historical events is also just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And again, there's some people out there, literally, they're like, I didn't know Michael Jackson ripped off Weird Al. Well, you know, I got to say, there is a younger generation, and I'm sure <laughs> you've you've now seen several different generations come, and and, uh, and they have different entry points to right. Weird Al. Uh, what do you find these days as sort of people's entry points? Well, it's sort of a running joke with me. I say that uh, everybody's favorite Weird Al album is whatever came out when they were 12 years old. Because, you know, and that worked with me, too. And when I was 
was 12, 13 years old, I got super into Mad Magazine. So I don't know what happens in your brain chemistry at that particular age, but I, I think uh, that's the point in your life when you really appreciate a, a reverence, I suppose, that that kind of humor. And that, that, that resonated uh, with me, and apparently my material resonates with other people at that age. Yeah, and so at this point, and, and I think my kids could be part of that, is they'll sometimes hear a Weird Al song before they ever hear the song that you're parodying. So in their mind, that is the original. I, I've told the story a million times, but it, I still get a kick out of it. Uh, when I did my Star Wars parody, uh, the, uh, the Saga Begins, which was a parody of Don McLean's American Pie, um, Radio Disney played that. So it was extremely popular with uh, you know young kids who I'm sure most of whom were not familiar with the 1971 original Don McLean song. Uh, so the following year, uh, after my, my song came out, Madonna, for whatever reason, did like a disco dance version of American Pie. Yeah. And all these like kids were confused. Like, why is Madonna doing like an unfunny version of a Weird Al song? Yeah, that's amazing. Oh. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, something else that uh, I, when I think of you, I think a lot about is, is being a kid watching MTV and whenever it was Al TV time – popping in that VHS and just hitting record for hours. Uh, just, just, you know, being so excited. Oh, here we go. Cause <laughs> there, there was something, not only like the idea that you were breaking into MTV and, and taking over, but then when you would do your voiceover over actual music videos, <laughs> uh, I still remember certain moments where, you know, you're just like, here he is narrating these music videos we've seen a hundred times, but it's just hysterical. And and there was something. It usually, was around like it was a, be a long holiday weekend, maybe July Fourth weekend, that you would right. do these Owl TV parodies. Uh, you know, just I don't even know what my question is. Just, <laughs> well, it was fun. I mean, I, I I don't know if I was pre Beavis and Butthead, but it was fun for me to just like you know, MTV back in those days was. Uh, not that corporate. I mean, it, it was a, a pretty guerrilla kind of thing. It, you kind of felt like you were watching a local public access show, you know, because they'd make mistakes and they'd leave the camera on when they weren't supposed to. And it just felt kind of uh, amateurish, but in the, the coolest way. It felt like you were watching something you, were, you weren't supposed to watch. And they basically gave me the, the keys to the car. They said, hey, uh, you got four hours. Do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, literally, <laughs> they didn't give you any money, but they gave you complete freedom, which was amazing. And, uh, yeah, for, for as long as the, that was our policy, uh, I would come in whenever I had an album or something to promote and just like, have, you know, just go nuts for yeah. whatever, however long they wanted me to. Yeah. Cut like fake interviews with Madonna yeah. again. And, <laughs> and there, there was, there's something magical about that. And, and leading up to UHF. Which, you know, I know you've, you know, through the years, we've talked a lot about how UHF initially wasn't a hit, but it sort of still maintains its its sort of cult status. Uh, when was the last time you went back and, and looked at UHF? Uh, the, I don't remember the last time I watched it all the way through. I mean, gosh, I've, I've probably seen it uh, a couple of hundred times in my life yeah. between, you know, making it and, and promoting it and everything else. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's got its moments. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think parts of it are really funny. I, I don't think it holds together as a movie as well as as Weird does. Yeah. I think Weird is more uh, more of a movie movie. Uh, but UHF definitely, you know, UHF basically works better uh, in short short clips. It, it's a good YouTube movie because you can watch like like the funny parts yeah. on YouTube. Um, I mean, because that was sort of the, the concept there it was like we just needed the barest bones of a plot. To, to hang all these parody bits off of. Talk real quick about Roku. You're kind of the man putting Roku on the map, too. Oh, 
Well, yeah, a lot of people are figuring out uh, how to find the Roku channel yeah. <laughs> because of the movie. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to uh, to Roku because um, if you want a list of everybody who turned the movie down, it's every company not named Roku. <laughs> What's that all about? You know, I I, I, I saw the potential in the movie right away, and I just I, I can't I'm, – I'm really confused as to why nobody else shared uh, the, the vision that Eric and I had. But Roku did, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to them uh, because of them this movie got made, and it exists in the world and uh, I'm very happy about that. Al, how many more decades do you have to be doing this for for companies to say, yeah, you know what? (laughs) We want to be in the Weird Al business. You know, you'd think. um, I don't know. Well, maybe this movie will open some doors. It seems to have done pretty well. So uh, we'll we'll see. I I kid because, I mean, you've done, again, like I said at the beginning of this interview, you've done it all. So it is hard to sort of pick and choose uh, you know, what we want to talk about. But when you now look at this this career and you look at you, – you sometimes post on the internet just random photos of you with Paul McCartney. Or, <laughs> it's you, you are the Forrest Gump, uh, you know <laughs> – uh, Zelig of, of of this industry. You probably have stories about everyone and everything, and yet you still seem like the most grounded, like just good dude. Well, th- thank you. I mean, it's, that's nice to hear. I mean, I, 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 um, I, I uh, I'm very happy. I get to be Weird Al for a living. I mean, I, every morning I wake up and I, you know, can't believe I, I still get to do this. Exactly, specifically what I love to do, and and uh, it's it's been hard for me because you know I, I started my career basically poking fun uh, at the elite, you know, in the inner circle of, of pop culture. And uh, after a few years, I found myself you know going to the same parties as these people and hanging out with these people and why am I inside the bubble? What am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. And do you find that, I mean, they, they are generally, I think, excited to see you and, and, of course, probably all want you to parody them, which is a little bit of what we see in the movie. The Yankovic bump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Yankovic bump. Absolutely. But uh, and, and, and these days, a majority of them probably grew up uh, on you as well. It's nice. I mean, that's one of the perks about being around for as long as I have is like, you know, a lot of artists now uh, are very aware of who I am. And, and in some cases, they grew up listening to me. And, you know, sometimes people that run studios or, you know, uh, have have wheeled power in the industry. Uh, they were fans as kids. And that, that never hurts. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most uh, like sort of uh, bucket list thing you've done over the maybe, maybe last year or two besides making oh, this film? Last year or two? Um I don't know the, the film was a big one. Um, I, I I always uh, uh, say having a number one album uh, was sort of a crazy thing for me because I used I was always so obsessed with the Billboard charts. I would have to study them in order to get ideas, and and I just never thought that was an option for me to have a number one album yeah. because there hadn't been a number one comedy album since I think 1963. Alan Sherman, uh, My Son the Nut. That was prior to to my movie my uh, album Mandatory Fun. That was the last comedy album. Yeah. Uh, and, and no comedy album had ever debuted at number one. That was like the first in history. So I just thought that was out of the realm of possibility. So that still kind of boggles my mind that now, you know, I'm, I'm a number one album haver. <laughs> What's also been fun is you you were just back on The Simpsons again, um, and and that's something because uh, that's a show that's been on since oh, 1989. Yeah. The, the fact that you've uh, been able to dip in and, and uh, you know pop up uh, every decade now for the yeah past be, three being, be, being a couch gag on The Simpsons Simpsons was uh, that was pretty mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even singing the uh, the opening uh, The Simpsons was nice. Yeah, I don't I don't I was I was asking online. I don't know if anybody else other than I think Danny Elfman did the original yeah. like overtracking his voice, but I don't. Know if anybody else has actually on the show done The Simpsons? Yeah, 
I don't know if either, because uh, yeah. uh, I saw you post that, and I was also kind of looking around, doing some research. A lot of people have done versions of the actual music, right? but I don't know if anyone else has sung the Simpsons <laughs> like you have. So there, there you go. Another, oh, boy. Another, another, another first. Bucket list. Well, so here's the other bucket list thing. And uh, a friend of mine who uh, I, I think you know, uh, uh, Gene Bean Baxter from of Kevin course. and Bean. Of course. So Bean for years has been on a crusade to get you to do the Super Bowl halftime <laughs> show. And why not, right? If they ask, I'd certainly consider it. <laughs> <laughs> you would consider it. <laughs> I, I just think that's not in the cards. I mean, I pre- I love Bean and I appreciate the support from everybody. I mean, there's, there have been p- petitions going around for years trying to make that happen. I don't think I'm ever going to be on the NFL shortlist. I'm Why just, not? I'm just being real here. I just don't see it ever happening. Uh, may- maybe uh, maybe the Foo Fighters will do it and have me on as a special guest. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. I don't know. But I mean, really, who else I mean, transcends genre would bring a- together America? Than Weird Al Yankovic. Who, you know, the, uh, that's, that kind of stage uh, scares me for a number of reasons, one of which is no matter who you are, uh, when you're put in front of that many eyeballs, you're going to have a lot of haters. Like, you know, even if it's, you're amazing, and I, I've seen uh, Super Bowl performances that I thought were amazing and outstanding, and here's a beloved artist, and you go online and like, that was awful, that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, I hate this person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't, I don't like being hated. Well. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> social media is going to social media. It's terrible. It's, uh, you never, there's nobody that everybody's going to like. No, no. Never. Except for Weird Al. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's it. I do. I think you're on that short list. I don't know who even number two is. Oh. Uh, so, well, I guess the big question now is, uh, speaking of bucket list, the movie's out. So what is the next, what is the next thing? Ah, uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, Eric and I, I don't, I don't think I'm at liberty to talk about our discussions, but we're, we're thinking about the next thing, thinking about what that might be. Eric's a busy guy now. He's sort of the go-to Hollywood comedy director. So he's getting a lot of offers. Uh, and he's, he's working on the new Jack Black movie, which, uh, is, uh, supposedly shooting this summer. Uh, and he's got a few other things, deals about to close. And he also wants to work with me on something. So we're, we're talking about what that's going to be. And uh, you'll be the first person I tell. <laughs> yes, exactly. Please. Please do, but I mean, you're still busy do- doing a lot of voiceover work. Yes, and, and but no, no new album, huh? No, I mean, you know, I was under contract. Uh, here's the thing: I, I, I signed a record deal in 1982 uh, for ten albums, which is not uh, a guarantee they were going to make ten albums. That was like like a draconian thing. Where like, if by some weird chance you become very popular, we've got you for ten albums. And then I renegotiated twice, and it became a 14 album contract. Which I finally fulfilled uh, in 2014 with mandatory funds. So after 32 short years, I was able to fulfill my contractual obligations. And uh, and you know I I just don't want to sign under the contract. I just like being a free agent and doing whatever I need to do or, or want to do, and and not having to get somebody's permission if I want to do something. Well, you don't have to now, right? I mean, in this day and age, you could just put it on your website and and not have to go through anyone anymore. Yeah, that that's true. If I wanted to, I mean, you know, uh, I might do one-off things. I mean, I I think uh, I I had a couple singles. Uh, 
released through was it Atlantic Records? I, I forget, but but you know, I I'm more into like just doing one-off stuff now because when you do a, a an album, if, if you're doing my kind of material where it's it's topical and timely, it's hard to have twelve things, twelve songs ready to go all at once and have them all be topical and timely. It's, a, it's kind of a you know a, a real puzzle. Yeah. So I, I like having the freedom of being able to just put out material whenever I feel like it. Uh, and and granted, I haven't done a lot of that since 2014. <laughs> but it's, it's nice just that I could. Yeah, yeah. Just don't sign another deal with Tony Scotty. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That maybe was your problem. Uh, I've, Tony Scotty was was very good to me yeah. and, and did well by me and and uh, and it, it, again I I haven't spoken to Tony Scotty since the movie came out came out but I hope he realizes as well that it's a joke. <laughs> it's so funny because you are notorious for like dotting your eyes and and like getting that ultra permission that you don't have to get. You could have parodied Prince over the years. You could have done these things, but you didn't because you wanted to, you know, really make sure that everyone sort of had their gave their blessing. It, it was a, it's a whole different mindset. Yeah, as you pointed out when I do my song parodies, I, I make a point of making sure that the songwriters are okay with that and make sure that they, you know, understand what, what I'm trying to do and that I'm not trying to step on their toes. Uh and and the, the same goes for the movie. I mean, I obviously hope that nobody is offended by it, but the lawyers said, listen, uh, just do it. (laughs) That's Weird Al Yankovic. You can watch Weird, the Al Yankovic story, now streaming on Roku. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.